Welcome to Old Town New World. We're here at Millstone Pizza in Old Town Rock Hill. I'm Jason Broadwater. I'm Chris Gervais. And we're here to talk about the ever-changing world of Small Town USA. Yeah, okay. All right, so today our guest is David Warner. Uh, from the Technology Incubator. He's the director of the Technology Incubator here in Rock Hill, South Carolina. So we're excited to have you. David, thanks for being here. Thank you, pleasure to be here. Absolutely, and uh, first, before we dig into the Technology Incubator and its role in uh, you know, our burgeoning uh, uh, community here, because um, there's plenty to talk about as far as that's concerned, let me just ask you a simple question about you. How, you're not from Rock Hill, how'd you end up in Rock Hill? You can't tell I'm not from Rock Hill, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's a good story. It could take us most of the afternoon. But uh, uh, indeed, I'm a, I'm a native of Motown. I'm from Detroit, Motor City, Michigan. And it was a long story getting down here to, to Rock Hill. But uh, um, my background, I worked as an environmental scientist for many years. Really? And, I, and I worked up in the Upper Great Lakes area in the state of Michigan. Did you do that in college? I studied environmental science and urban regional planning in graduate school. Oh, wow. So it kind of went from environmental to more land use and water and urban issues. Well, let me pause our, com our story there and ask you this question. Isn't it true or isn't it a uh, conversation now that um, people are uh, talking about urban revitalization as being a great thing for the environment? Absolutely. Do yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we call that sustainability now. Yes. Okay. Um, in fact, uh, what environmental management became with, with keeping water clean and air clean and land clean for people, when you apply it in the urban setting, became more environmental sustainability. How do we do that while we're living together in higher concentrations in cities and towns and villages? Right. Um, in fact, um, my, uh, my work, I worked in the government for, for many years. I was with the State of Michigan Environmental Agency for 10 years. Um, left there, became an environmental consultant with a couple of private firms and then opened my own company and ran that for 10 years. Wow. Uh, so it was, was that in Michigan? No, it was here in uh, Charlotte and Rock Hill. Actually, Rock Hill was my 10 years, really my running that company was 10 years. I, I based it out of my home here in Rock Hill. Oh, okay, wow. It was a, a management consulting firm. I worked with the big uh, industries in the Carolinas that, wow. that worked with steel and chemicals and pulp and paper and automotive and that kind of stuff. So you know what it feels like to be the CEO, business development manager, administrative assistant, plumber, uh, salesman, marketer, and specialist and consultant in, in an organization. And toilet cleaner. And, yes, and not, exactly. not knowing where your next dollar comes from. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you've experienced I've all been that, there for so. many years, yeah. yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I feel the pain. <laughs> and the excitement. And the excitement, yeah. yeah. Okay, good, good. So how did you start working for uh, the city of Rock Hill? Good question. Well, I had been running my practice um, for 10 years and I again my work took me out to the plants and the locations so I, I was spending weeks at a time in Anderson and Charleston and Raleigh and all over the Carolinas and um, my new wife when I got married in 95 which was uh, about five years after I got to Rock Hill um, kind of wanted to see a little bit more of me than she was seeing so I was trying to look around what could I do locally um, to improve the environment in, in, uh, in Rock Hill actually what pulled me to Rock Hill was my company I was working with Bowater at the paper mill. Oh, wow. Okay. And my client mix happened to be in South Carolina. I was living in Charlotte at the time, back in 1990. I uh, moved to Rock Hill in 95, and it was really my clients being down in South Carolina. My address in South Carolina was a better business uh, brand for me. Well, wait, what took you to Charlotte to begin with? I skipped over that, I guess. Well, I moved from Michigan to, uh, to Charlotte, mostly to escape. Uh, we're starting to get early snows in October, and I was getting a little <laughs> tired of pulling the my snowblower out so early uh, in, in Ann Arbor. You didn't know anybody or anything? You just moved there because it seemed like a cool place to be? Um, kind of, yeah. I, yeah it, it, I was looking around. I, I was recruited uh, by a company out of Charlotte. My folks had retired in the south over on Lake Hartwell, over on the Georgia side. So I'd been coming down to the area for, for quite a while. And I, I thought the Piedmont was a good place for me at some point. I didn't know it was going to be Charlotte. And when I came to Charlotte, I didn't know I was going to end up landing in Rock Hill. See, that's one thing we have as an advantage in this part of the country is that it's very desirable to be here it's simply from a uh, geographical, temporal perspective. So if you have, you know, a job waiting on you, then it's hard to argue against it, right? 
That's right. That's right. And I, I was concerned, you know, pay rates in the South are, are not as good as they were in the North. That but was, the cost of that, living's yeah. lower. But the cost of living's left. So that, I think we maintained my lifestyle easily enough. And yeah. they've even done more with less even beyond that. Right. <laughs> Moving yeah. to Rock Hill. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it worked out well. I was living in Charlotte and, and I was looking to uh, stay in the area. Charlotte was getting too busy. I was in Detroit when it got overgrown, uh, traffic problems and all of that. Right. And, and before, I lived, before RoboCop? Before Robocop. <laughs> you should, if you'd have stuck around, man, after he showed up, things got he way better. He definitely cleaned yeah. the city up. Yeah. Well, now there's a big hole in Detroit where they took Urban Renewal out. And so whether it was Robocop or whatever, there's, there's a lot of empty space in Detroit these days. I went there recently, and there is a great energy in that city about the rebirth of Detroit. Yes. It is palpable. And some of that happened along the Detroit Riverfront. I spent many years working on urban redevelopment on the Detroit River. That was my job at the state I stayed government. in the GM building in the Marriott right there. Okay. It's right. beautiful, man. In the Renaissance Center, and you watch yeah. the ships go up and down the river and, and all that kind of stuff. you look south at Canada, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. South, south of Windsor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, anywho, so you came to Charlotte. You The climate, moved the climate brought me here. Yeah. You moved your business to Rock Hill because most of your clients were in Rock Hill, South Carolina. I kind of opened it here. It's about the time I was opening my business. Uh, I was going to bring it here to have a South Carolina address, be close to Bowater, who was a good client of mine at the time. And also, I was working for International Paper. Um, Newcore Steel had a plant in Charleston I was doing work at. BMW, I did a work for them. And many of their supplier companies became a lot of my clients and as well. And you were consulting in regards to environmental impact. Right, helping them manufacture as clean as possible gotcha. and, and stay clear of environmental regulations, stay way above the performance yeah, levels right. of the regulations. And then City Rock Hill came along somehow. Well, I, again, I was gone along long periods of time and my family life needed to have me in town so I looked around and one of the things about Rock Hill was the old mills and uh, of course I'd stared at the bleachery since I'd been I'd come to Winthrop to lecture um, I wrote a book on environmental careers back in 92 and the Duke Energy uh, Company sent me on a book tour around the Carolinas so I got to go to all the and I went to Georgia Tech and, and NC State and Duke and, and UNC Charlotte and all over the place so I got to see all the Carolina universities and into Georgia and I came to, to Winthrop and talked to the science teachers about where jobs are for graduates you know, in the environmental field. And I said, what a great little town. You know, this, uh, this uh, campus is historic. It's a very cool, small town feel. Um, and, I, and even when I came the first time, I think I was looking at the bleachery site and looking at it uh, said, oh, that's a mess. Somebody's got to clean that up kind of thing. And I had been involved in those projects before, even with my company. And, and I was doing, I've done some super fun cleanups in North Carolina since I moved to Rock Hill. That was, those are some of my clients. So I said, maybe I can help the city clean up some of these mill sites. You know, I know how to do environmental cleanup and groundwater and closed sites and work with the DHEC and all that kind of thing. And, uh, and so uh, I got involved doing that, but I also was a business uh, person as well. And I think the first job I did for the city was as a consultant. I was doing some marketing for the downtown. Uh, oh, wow, really? When, when uh, Mike Bunce was a designer that was working with the Economic Development Department under contract, and I uh, was working marketing under contract. We were both on the top floor oh, that's of cool. the Citizen Building, where, where I have landed back yeah, 10 right. years later. <laughs> so were you involved in the abatement of the bleachery property? Were uh, you some, there, there were many people over a number of years. I was involved in some aspects of okay. that, yeah. 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 So that's the, you know, connecting the university, Winthrop University, to the downtown, which is about a mile and a half apart, maybe, or something like that. And uh, just a little too long to walk, you know, and there's um, the old textile corridor in between the university and the downtown. And so developing that area and connecting the university to the downtown, um, in a physical sense, has been a journey um, since we've decided to, that this urban core is an important part of this city. And um, that's a good segue into that you participated in the physical, uh, the idea of the physical connectivity and redevelopment of that area. People started to realize that, well, the physical follows something that's not physical, and it's basically economy. If, you, if you're an economist, it's, it follows an economic function. So how do we get the people here doing the activities, behavior, the businesses, the employment, the, all that stuff that would infill this space and make this the downtown we want it to be? And that's where we land with projects like um, the Technology Incubator. So how did the city all of a sudden find itself with the Technology Incubator? Interesting. That's, that's a saga in itself. <laughs> well, first of all, you have to have an, you know, an attractive downtown. And I have, I've been all over the country in my corporate work, in the, the corporate years that I worked for other companies. And I've, I've been to Boston, Seattle, and San Francisco, and all over the country. I've been to most of the large cities in the United States and had a good feel for, for 
you know, what attracts people? What, where would you want to live? And when I saw her downtown here in Rock Hill, I said, it's fabulous. All these historic buildings are still where they are. Charlotte doesn't have that. They took all theirs out. They, they, they lost a lot of their history, and I lived there, and it didn't have any soul when I first came to Charlotte. And Rock Hill had soul the first time I came here. Yeah. And I said, you know, that's, that's a cute little town. It's right off I-77. There's some stuff going on there with Winthrop University. And um, then came to look at that mill being a big X factor between the university and the downtown. I said, and and a, it was about that time that, that uh, the Economic Development Office was doing the textile corridor studies. And, yeah. and that's when I came on board. And I was hired specifically to work on that kind of stuff. So that's, that's where it started. I was involved in the cotton factory project when it was all bricked up. I was the one that had the flashlight slung over my shoulder and the rat whacker with my hand. And <laughs> I took people into that building to see what well, the possibilities might awesome. be. You didn't leave a cigarette in there, did you? I did not. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <That's good>. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is the, the cotton factory. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the bleacher. bleacher. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> giant rats with a blowtorch or anything yeah, like right. that. No, you didn't, yeah, we did that. occasionally run into things that looked back at us, but um, yeah, that, cool. we, we cleaned that all out, and it's, it's all good, and, and Gary Williams came in and, and, yeah. and did Which the thing. Which is a hugely successful project. This case studied everywhere. This uh, redevelopment of what was an old cotton mill, uh, we call it the Cotton Factory. Now there's Williams & Fudge, which is a collections-oriented company in there, and Springs Creative, which is a um, design-focused company in the textile industry with the legacy of Springs Mills attached to it. And there's currently more people in that building working today than there ever has been in the history of that building. So it is the poster child of revitalizing a space and putting back in density, but it being clean, high-paid density and not dangerous, dirty, low-paid density of the early 1900s, you know? It's a fabulous project. Yeah. And after that was done, I need to. I get. If we're, if we're still telling my story. The next thing I worked on was the streetcar, which you haven't heard a lot about recently. But we worked on a streetcar study for almost five years to figure out how can we connect Winthrop, that corridor of old textile mills, our historic downtown, and now we've, we've kind of recognized the far end of downtown with Fountain Park, where Comporium's headquarters is down there, and and a whole new development area down there, and the streetcar. Was the, was the glue that stuck it all together because like you said, it was just beyond walking, easy walking distance right. to get from campus to downtown. Well, in the future, when the streetcar is done, you can ride a streetcar, you can ride your bike along the streetcar route, you can walk along the streetcar route, and you can still drive your car because there'll be parking available on the entire Knowledge Park and the laying of those rails will facilitate development along the rails, which will connect the two physically. Is that Not only facilitate, but the developers that have come to look at, and, and you can talk to the SORA development people that are in town right now running as master developers. The folks that want to build buildings require, they want to see those steel rails next to their building. And we're talking about $150 million of planned development over the next eight years in just the Blue Tree property alone. I mean, this is huge, hundreds of millions of dollars of development where there's a you know, a pretty good consensus among that group, and David, correct me if I'm wrong, that the streetcar is, is not only important, but a critical kind of piece of that puzzle. Is that fair? That's fair, and that's, that's, it's important that the, un, the public understand exactly what the role of that streetcar is. It's not a mass transit project, right. and people yeah. need to not think of it like that. It's an economic stimulus project, right. and these developers want something unique and creative and a way to connect to the assets in Knowledge Park, yeah. Winthrop, and downtown. The streetcar is the perfect mechanism for that. Well, well let, me, let me segue this and say this because I want to get you to the uh, incubator because um, that currently is your primary role. So born of, of what you were heading up with the streetcar and where you had been participating with the city of this whole redevelopment, born of this is this notion of knowledge part which is based on um, uh, bringing people for uh, knowledge and creative services types of employment where that's going to be the heart and life's blood of the redevelopment of this area and we decided that it was incredibly important that there is a uh, technology incubator as one of the components of this development. So talk to us about Clemson, you, the city, what is the technology incubator? How did this get started? Yeah, the story is interesting. Um, in the economic development for the city for the last 15 years, it's been focused on, of course, we were very successful building business parks after we lost textile jobs. So we have many, many business parks around the city, all of them successful. We've attracted companies from all over the place, Europe, Asia, California, that are here now. So we're good at that. Uh, 
then the focus became we gotta we gotta use our historic fabric of downtown and capitalize on that because it's us. It's organic. It, it'll attract people. People want that. They want brick walls and steel and and uh, you, know, you know funky urban spaces to hang out in that kind of thing. So, so we all knew that. But there's a point when it becomes more than a real estate project. Economic development is more than real estate, and adding the people back is the key is the key thing. And we did, had no history of really doing that as a city. Other folks at York Tech have been involved somewhat around uh, workforce training, and Winthrop had with some programming things, but we never intentionally made it an economic development priority to bring the people element back into economic development. And that's what Knowledge Park is all about. It's an economic development strategy, not just an urban renewal strategy. And the, and the X factor is people. So what is it about people? Well, we, we, we sit back and look, what do we have? We've got, a, we've got a four year liberal arts university here, state university, we've got York Technical College, we've got Clinton College. We've got lots of higher education here uh, for a town our size. We lack the big research university of a Clemson or a South Carolina or MUSC. Um, we have a need to grow our own jobs because everybody can't work for a big employer. And all the studies tell us that more and more of the new jobs are coming from small businesses and startups and not so much the big mega employers anymore. So all of a sudden we had to find a way, how do we launch our own business? How can, how can we organically grow some of our own economy back? So our leaders went uh, to look and we, we invited, we looked at Littleton, Colorado and the economic gardening movement, which was a, a special problem they had in that town where a bunch of laid off Lockheed Martin engineers had to retrain themselves to, to launch tech companies. We really didn't have, that wasn't really our substrate very well. Uh, our folks jumped on the train, and you may have been part of that, Jason. I don't know if you went to Durham on the train and looked at the, uh, the underground Durham area and the stampede and some of the startup fabric that they have there. Um, another good model, it works there because Duke University is a big tenant and there's a lot of money flowing from Duke University into the redevelopment and also has a lot of interest in launching businesses and things. Again, not quite, a, the, the, the environment was right, the historic buildings things is very much what we have, but the programming was wrong. So we looked around and uh, my boss, Stephen Turner, uh, had been contacted about something Clemson was trying to start called the Technology Villages Program. They said, hey, you know, Clemson started this incubator down in Bluffton of all places. Where's Bluffton? Oh yeah, Hilton Head, mainland Hilton Head. So um, he went down to look at it and took a look at what was going on, met Carl Kelly from Clemson and University. Stephen Turner is the Director of Economic and Urban Development for the City of Rock Hill. Right, and, and the Executive Director of the Economic Development Corporation, Rock Hill Economic Development Corporation. And Stephen saw, ha, huh, okay, there, there's something there and brought that back. What, what the model brought, as we found out, is that it doesn't matter as much that you're in a town that has a major state research university if you can bring that research university to the town. And that's exactly what the Clemson Technology Village model did. We get the horsepower of a state research university anywhere, in our case, Main Street, Rock Hill. Um, so, and, it, and we're specifically focused on helping tech companies start. Their model is built off of 35 years of their research being commercialized into the marketplace. That's 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 the essence of their model. So they've been you doing this. Clemson's model. Clemson's model is doing and, that. And that. If I can tee you up for a great answer on this, oh, let go. me say, let me ask this question: How will this David not end up like other technology incubators, which end up being failed real estate projects? Excellent question, Jason. <laughs> Thank you, David. That, thanks for teeing that baby up for me. <laughs> One good thing about the Clemson model, these are community incubators. We run the Clemson program, but they're owned by the community, and they're really set up like virtual incubators. We're not a real estate-based incubator. We're not, we're not offering tons of, of low-priced, below-market space. A lot of incubators do. Um, the, the directors of those incubators end up being landlords and managers of space and not with consultants. Trump, with Trump's programmatic activity because the dollar forces it to, because you have to fill the space and collect the rent or the whole thing falls apart, right? Correct, correct. Whereas ours, ours is, a, is a relatively low cost uh, startup, and, and we are a startup. The incubator is a startup company. We have a lease of space. We have one employee, yours truly, that's interesting. That's almost self-iterative. That's, yeah, okay. <laughs> That's another whole show. I got nine companies I'm trying to take care of, and I've got a lot of administrative and marketing responsibilities that, that are a little bit ridiculous for one person, but I love it, and I wouldn't change what I'm doing. Um, 
but we're virtual, so it's a co-work space actually, but it's a closed shop co-work space in the sense that- Just for the people in the program. Only the people that enter into the program and sign the license, um, they, they come in for very little money, for $200 a month. They can come up and work in our space every day. They can use our address as their business address. They get free Wi-Fi, which is another story. Um, more recently, as, as Zipstream has come in now with gigabit service uh, up, wow. up on our So they've floor. all got one gigabit internet access. Well, there's gig, gig coming into the building. We're working on fine-tuning the delivery through the router yet. That's all part of their normal... Oh, they can go through the router? What? I thought well, they had to plug Wi-Fi. in to get... It's Wi-Fi. We're not, we're not hardwired up there at all. So. Yeah, but I would think you'd have to hardwire to get one gig. You do. You, do. Yes, you can't right. get the gig without a hardwire. So let's wire that mother. Well, well, well we're gonna... <laughs> thank you. I will take that under advisement. Yes. I'm going to put that on my to-do <laughs> yeah. list. Here. Where's my pen? Write that down. Where's, my, that where's mother. my pen? That's, that's something we can be working on. Yes, sir, I'm wiring the mother now. Um. <laughs> that's what I like to hear. Where's my cigar? Micah! <laughs> well, and to go on your question is what's going to keep us from failing? Well, our investment is pretty modest is, is what's going to happen. And because it's such a great deal for entrepreneurs, we, we charge very little. We take The big magic is we take no equity. Most incubators grab a piece of the companies that come through them. They take some piece of equity, some percentage of their stock. And we don't do that. We are radically in favor and protective of our entrepreneurs. See, that's a good, that, that I think speaks well to the public collaborative underpinning of the organization that is driven with city funding and Clemson University and uh, you know looking for grants and all. The, the benefit of public funding is to allow for an openness that isn't driven by uh, trying to take a piece of everything, which could early on, if you give up too much of what you got early on, it could de derail the whole thing as you start to grow. I mean, is that fair to say? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Startups are, are bought out and killed and all the yeah. time. And yeah. in fact, yeah. you know, still three out of four startups fail. Yeah. That, that's still, still the model. But incubated startups do a whole lot better. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. That it, it it reinstates the fact that like the value of those companies is the people, like you said, and the ideas, not the like how much money you're gonna make and what can we get out of that if we support you early on. It's more about no, we just want you to come here as part of we're growing and that energy and the people and the ideas around that. That's the actual value, not the, the dollars, you know. And that totally instates that. I agree because one of the, one of the things that we fall into sometimes when we do uh, programs at, from a public standpoint is sometimes we, we have the justification for the program as people, yet then we get fixated on the program, and then it becomes all about the program. Institutionalizing it, keeping it alive, focusing on the program, focusing on the program, and we miss the point that the reason we started to begin with was just to bring people and, and, and things that they're creating into this environment. Yeah, it's like when you have shows and stuff, or you have, if you screen a movie, or whatever it is you pick that the city's gonna do, it's like if they, the issue, it can't be about how much you're charging for tickets and right. how much you're going to make off tickets. That's not the point. And that's been the philosophy of everything going on down here. Like Even the events that we run in only, only in Old Town kind of stuff, the concerts, it's all about, look, if we can break even and bring 10,000 people, then we've done something amazing. And then the incubator, I think, is an understanding of, it's not about the quantity of people. It's about the quality of those people affecting change in the environment in, in that they're coming in. So, you know, you've got, what, nine companies in this incubator? Yeah, well, that's getting ready to churn. Okay, so we've gotten some change coming up. Yeah, we'll have some change. Our numbers will change a little bit. class, or what was that like, getting, getting started with Carl and the university, the first class and all that? Well, we didn't know what to expect. Nobody knew how many uh, entrepreneurs were in Rock Hill, and there are some, and I, I meet new ones every week, even now, even now that we've been open, because they know we're here now, so everybody's curious about what's going on with these companies. We have attracted companies from Charlotte. Uh, we have attracted companies from Gastonia. We have attracted companies from Waxhaw and other places. So we were a regional draw in, into Rock Hill because the model is pretty strong and so easily in favor of the entrepreneur. Um, and again, we're a startup too. I, I got to do a sidebar here. We don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater about the program. We do have to. We do have to raise funds to keep going. But our break-even is our goal, not profit. You know, in terms of what we do. 
So we're, we rely on corporate sponsors in the future now to keep our doors open and keep our contract with Clemson. Paid. So when you say that's a sidebar, you don't want that in the podcast? No, that's good. No, no, that's in the podcast. That's, okay, that's good. fine. But not good. at I the time that you threw the baby out with the bathwater. No, no, we but you're saying it's about the program. Did, the baby, and did you hurt the baby? <laughs> was the baby injured? <laughs> well, you got the beer. We shouldn't talk about the baby injuring part in the podcast. Well, you got about the, the, the bureaucratic aspect of keeping programs alive and that kind of stuff. Oh, right, well, yeah. well, I mean, we, we, have to, we have to self-fund, and by we, I mean the community. Agreed. So, so yeah, let me amend my uh, comment to make sure it's not uh, misunderstood. I think this program has the potential to, con- like, continuously and for the foreseeable future of when it to continue to bring uh, connector people, powerfully impactful people into this area, create businesses. And as long as it's doing that, it's something that should persist. You know, where I see failure is when we... Um, forget that the reason that it exists is to bring people and we start focusing on its persistence in and of itself right right and we and everybody's held accountable on all of this and yeah. it is all about the people and and if they're going to hold me you know as the director account how many jobs did you launch in the last mm-hmm. six months how many companies did you launch it's not that's not what's going <laughs> it's on it's not quantitative in we nature we have four new businesses in town right downtown because we're here yes. they had decisions about where to locate and they were here because they wanted to be close to the technology yeah. incubator and there's so many things that are hard, impossible to measure that are offshoots of that i had a meeting with a guy and i, and I won't say who it is but I'm, he probably wouldn't mind but i was uh, interested in potentially using his services well he came down and met me at amelie's and the fact that amelie's ex- is down here that we met there and he was like, wow, this environment is cool. He met me, he learned about our business, went into our space and thought, wow, this is cool. We went back to Amelie's. He learned that above him was the space that's been, you know, kind of called the hive over time and all kinds of programs been run out of there. And above that is a technology incubator that Clemson University is involved in. All of a sudden this guy was like, oh my God, I should move my whole business down here. I mean, he, he couldn't believe the energy based on people and high impactful people participating. That, that we were creating here in this space. So, so there's so many things that could never be measured that is a benefit of what you're doing that could never go into a quantitative report of any kind. You know? right. Imagine if you told that guy numbers and you were like, oh, there's this company that blah, 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 blah. And this is, you know, yeah. like, why he would have, okay, cool, that's awesome. But he would not, yeah. Yeah. He felt the qualitative stuff versus the quantitative stuff. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I got to sell. I got to sell that soft side to what we do because it, it is really important. I got a lot of stories to tell you. I guess um, 3D Systems, one of our new tech companies in town, the last five years or so, of course, leading 3D printer manufacturer. Um, we recently got selected as a beta test site for the new Cube Pro engineering scale printer. It's up in the incubator. I'm the guinea pig. I'm a good guinea pig because I'm not very techy. You, <laughs> you printed a Parthenon. Is that true? The rumor is you printed a Parthenon. I printed, printed, who? A printed a Parthenon. Oh uh, yes, I did. Parthenon. Yes, Parthenon. You, you saw it yesterday. I guess I was holding it up there. Yes. Okay, I made lots. I made a guitar yesterday, so yes. that's all cool. Um, it's, it's a way we engage with one of our local companies to we can do we can show value because we're demonst- we're, we're beta testing their product before they launch it. So I'm I'm giving them feedback as I screw things up, <laughs> as I run different runs and we upgrade they upgrade the software every two days. It's it's crazy wow. how fast they do it. This is how serious they are about a successful launch. The good thing is we're building a relationship of value that 3D knows. Oh, we can do beta tests at the at the technology incubator, right, yeah. even with that silly director they got. You know, we, we can actually get some good data, and we're going to open it up to some other companies in Rock Hill so they can beta test. In fact, if any of you have a 3D CAD file that can be put into an STL stereo lithography file, come up and make something. Well, actually, n- not it not well. We'd love to do that, but not that. We have a we have a technology that we would love for people to test, knowing that potentially, and y'all might not be ready for this or open to this, but if y'all gain a reputation as, if you have a technology that could be tested, go to you and either you can say, oh yeah, we can test it, or hey, let me connect you to so-and-so or whatever. another tech company and we'll just exactly. do it over there. Yeah, that, exactly. That, that's just exactly what that we can do. that person, that connector, that, yeah. Here, here's another part of the story. The lady that's the, the, the product manager for that launch came oh. here. Now, she came from San Francisco to Rock Hill, and she told me, um, well, you know, I'm kind of bummed. I was I was in India a few years ago. That, that's her native land, and she 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 was doing hackathons, and she was involved in all kinds of social networking of tech people over in, in India. Then she'd been in San Francisco for several years, and she she got into the tech scene, you know, Silicon Valley tech scene, and all that kind of stuff. And then she came here thinking she was being exiled to Siberia, Rock Hill, and I said, no, it's not really like that at all. In fact. 
I invited her to come see us, and it turns out we were doing one of those hackathons at the Hive floor. I think that York Tech was doing a hackathon that day. We had done one back in March, and she was delighted to hear we're doing hackathons, and there's programmers that can actually do these things over in these mobile app projects and yeah. contests overnight and she got real excited of course I grabbed her and I put her on the committee because uh, <laughs> as, well as, we, as we plan future competitions and we're going to develop a relationship um, at least with the product folks at 3D Systems for that well, kind I of would thing. call that a perfect example of success and, and see <clears throat> I've been saying for a while the new economic development is economic development one person at a time because that woman will have an a, a disproportionately large impact on the uh, creation of the future due to her connections, her input, her value add, or whatever it is, that then, like, you know, thinking about things in an abstract, like, we need a thousand people here, we need a hundred people here, you know, I mean, you look at, like, our company, for example, the fact that I decided to move down here, there's now ten of us here. You know, the fact that Aggie decided to move into that building, there's now 16 of them there. So Aggie has had a disproportionately large impact on what could happen in Rock Hill. Because if someone leaves his company uh, and, and, you know, and, and starts something else, that would be great. But he's had a disproportionately large impact just because he's a connector individual. And I think that's, like, what you're doing is the new economic development. It's heavy investment into single individuals versus dispersed investment investment over a large amount of people. I mean, what do you think about that? Well, there's, there's gravity to this. I, I think there's roles for both, actually, but, yes. but because of what we're trying to do, which is initiate a, a community of entrepreneurs, of, of technologists, of, of folks that are pushing the 21st century economy, that, that is right, and, and, it's, and it creates gravity. People come to me now just because we're there. They're not coming into the incubator. And Aaron Longstreth has New World Media. He's a videographer. He, he was a Winthrop grad and worked out in California, came back. He worked on that, that movie at Winthrop, that, uh, what was that scary movie they did? Asylum. Asylum. I think, I don't know if he was on the cast or something, but he, he got into filmmaking. He came back to Rock Hill last year and he came in and said, what are you doing here? And we, we talked about what we do. Um, his company being more of a service company without protectable IP, his IP is art, which is a little bit different and not, not really our wheelhouse. We're looking for manufacturing and other things we can do. But I found him, we found him a spot over in the Geddes building. See, that's great. So New World Media is now in the Geddes building. That's great. Yeah. So your influence is disproportionately large on his, the success of his business, and his influence on downtown will be uh, hopefully proved to be disproportionately large versus uh, per capita of the citizens of Rock Hill because he, he might affect some great change being a connector. He might bring in three more people, he's, he's create jobs. 12 projects. And yeah, I know exactly. he's, he, he is bringing people downtown all the time. Cause, yeah, cause it's a, yeah, we're friends with him. Like, I mean, he shot a short film. And he, and he like Five and Dine catered it and stuff like that. So yeah. you know, Five and Dine is now being impacted by what he's doing, and so again, it's that disproportionately large impact of a single connector individual, who we need to identify. I call them champions. We identify them. We invest in helping open doors for these people, and that's exactly what the technology incubator is about. I mean, aren't you basically? Uh, accepting specific champions and helping facilitate their growth, hoping that it will have a larger impact than the number of people they hire in a year, quote unquote. Well, absolutely. And I, I, I had to just do my annual reports for Clemson the other day and also for the RHEDC. Wait a minute, hold on, dude. Oh, what? Clemson is not a school. It's Clemson. There's a P in there. You got to put the P in there, yeah, or you have to leave South sorry, Carolina. Sorry, my English is Midwestern. Yes. You know, we, we do things properly. There's a P. <laughs> if you can put two syllables in where that first Cleompson. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's even better if you can add multiple syllables. If it can be a four-syllable word, that's even better. But by by requirement, there's a P in front of the S. It's called Clemson. I'm sorry to interrupt. We're going into a dark area here. Yeah, I can, yeah, tell, yeah. I can, I can tell right now. I had to get back to my train of thought because I was going to say something really important. <laughs> well, no, that was very important. That was actually that was the most important thing that was said on this podcast. My thought is back. Okay. All right, Good. all right. Um, we, we got our nine companies in there. I help everybody that walks in the door. That's my mission. And there were thirty companies I helped outside the incubator. They were looking to patent an invention. They were looking to get some help, and I either referred them to York Tech or to the Small Business Development right. Center. And this has gone on, and in fact, the next company I invited in started about six months ago, and I've been coaching them on the outside, and I invited them into the incubator just a couple weeks ago, and I hope they come in uh, with a new educational product. That, that's fabulous. It'll be a great launch. It'll be a very successful company, probably in about six months. It'll be a, we'll slingshot them, I think. I think we can, we can help them for four to six months and get them out. 
Because uh, they're, they're so that good. What kind good. of companies you got in there? What's what do they do? It's a mix. Half my companies are IT companies. So I've got a, I've got uh, one company's doing software development. They're both electrical engineers. They work in the nuclear industry, um, but their software is for any industrial uh, instrumentation and control type of design work, where they connect engineering design to machinery in the plants that are controlling pumps, pipes, valves, and all that kind of stuff. It's the logic of on and off that goes on through an entire industrial process. And there's several different, it's a real mess of an industry right now. And it's a problem they've dealt with for 12 years out in the field, and they're tired of dealing with it. So they developed a solution, which is something called a translator. That's cool. Um, that, that will take any incoming CAD language um, or any other design engineering language and universalize it with a, with a a language I think they're going to give away for free. Then it goes into the translator and it shoots into the uh, hardware front end. IP interface, I, what's the UI? The, the, the UI. The, there's an interface on the front end of the hardware that that they have to align with, and the translator puts them in right into the machinery, and it uh, it solves a bunch of problems. Roots and Recall is in there. I think you're, some people in town are familiar with Roots and Recall, Wade Perry's company, where he is putting together a database of historic buildings and the stories that go with those buildings. It's extremely popular. He's got thousands of active users working on it for free right now. My job is to get him into a proper model, a revenue model, that can successfully launch him. And we're, we're on a very scheduled way about doing that. Probably by the end of the year, first of next year, we'll be in a good spot. I've got a company that's doing... Um, lithium-ion battery technology that is fabulous. Um, I think they're going to morph, though. Um, there's, there's some uh, adverse business situations that are going on, and we're going to take the lady who's the brains behind it and relaunch a company that she can control. And then we'll come back and pick up the, that, that technology later. But she's into the nanopowder world. She has nanopowder. Uh, nanopowder. So this is stuff you can barely see. Um, she has, a, she has six patented uh, provisionals filed to, to create nanopowders. In her case, she was working with lithium ion, which would make any battery in any electronic device 60% or more long, long and more efficient and all that kind of stuff. Um, worst case, worst case. Best case, three times uh, performance levels. Um, but if you take nanopowder into the pharmaceutical world, all of a sudden you've made every pharmaceutical you take several orders of magnitude more efficient because it has so much more surface area for interaction with 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 blood basically you know when you when, um, it, it, if I were to sell you a box of nano powder <laughs> but replace it with an empty box would you know if it was full now and now what's the value if you of, sneeze though it would be like right, three miles yeah. around us you don't want to sneeze right you're messing with nano powder that's that's a nightmare <laughs> um, more companies, more companies. Um, I've got a gentleman doing it that has developed a very good uh, healthcare assessment tool, web-based healthcare assessment tool, that hospitals should be very interested in under the new Affordable Care Act. Yeah, right. Um, and the movement towards EHR and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, and well, this and this is probably not quite EHR, but it 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 uh, it's more mainstream than that. Whereas each, EHR is a whole sea change that's underway. His is a very specific today. So it's a deployable do. technology in the current situation. Yep, yep. And, and uh, unbeknownst to me, we found two companies locally that are working in allied fields. And if we th and if we put them together, we had a lunch the other day that just blew my mind. Um, one local downtown company here actually is one of the players and working in healthcare. And it, it could it could end up uh, really really exciting for this gentleman who's in the incubator. We launched our first web company. That was Kevin Nichols and his Member Thrive uh, LLC. And he's got people signed up using it and whatnot? Yeah, he's got 20, 24 new customers. He's, cool. he's hired two people already. Oh, so that's, that, that's our that's our half-step success story for the first year. And he's another example. He's one of those people. I don't know Kevin, um, but I've just known of some of the things he's done. I've heard when I was on the board of the of the incubator itself, you know, I heard about stuff he was talking about. But um, he, he seems like another one of those people that, could have a disproportionately large influence on how things develop because he's going to connect and then he's going to move on to something else and then he's going to connect a bunch of people into that and who knows the impact. He met another guy in the incubator who's going to launch a new company with See, him. That's what I mean. oh, See, that, See, that's yeah, what that's, happens. That's, that's that that's thing. That's exactly what we're talking about, that undefinable thing of like when you have quality people, energetic, creative people around each other, that's so much more valuable because it's, it's you, you don't know where it's going to go. You don't know what it's going to lead to. You know, it's like the whole, we're, we're having a conversation about 
our new economy based on technology that well what does that mean that's 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 something that exists because someone did something new you know we have how many jobs in this country right now exist because and for things that 30 years ago didn't exist you know that apple thing of like creating a need and that comes from creativity that comes from people talking it's amazing i mean we talk about it all the time at Revenflow. the nine of us the nine full-time folks at Revenflow come into that space every day and and then we leave at the end of the day and that's it that's our business so what we do with our time in those hours that's all we got that's all we got you know we have tools that we use but that's it so the organization of that um, behavior the creation of opportunity with that behavior or whatever certain people can tap into bringing people together around solving problems and stuff in, in disproportionately large ways than other people can. Yeah. And, and building on that, 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 that's a nice segue into my next point, Jason, so I Thank appreciate you. that. <laughs> well, I just read what you wrote down, goodness, yeah. man. Yeah, right. You're killing me, dude. Why don't you tell us about More this about. exciting <laughs> other project? Well, uh, beyond all the companies and, and, and the launching and the, the mainstay bread and butter of what I'm doing, what you'll hear a lot more about this fall as we start launching companies and can talk about their stories a little bit more. But there is a need to get people together, and we're trying to be that. It's been a little bit limiting because I'm by myself, but I, I will be holding entrepreneur meetups now on a regular basis going into the fall. We are, uh, I need to get my own companies together so they can share. There's probably six more companies that can come out of those nine if I just get, if I can get them in the room long enough. But you put nano powders into capsaicins coming out of hot peppers, all kinds of things could happen. And, and we, we gotta make that, we gotta allow that to happen though. I mean, yeah, beyond the pucker butt thing, yeah. Um, but uh, here's the first time this is being said in public, I guess. Uh, one of the things we're gonna start is a technology meetup on a monthly basis uh, in the building, and maybe on the high floor. Um, and we're gonna, it's gonna be open to any tech person that interested in tech and wants to meet tech people. Um, I expect it to be flooded with mostly tech slash IT people, but it could be anybody that sees tech in any kind of way. But the whole idea, my neighbor in town, I, he's, he's one of many, many people in Rock Hill. He, he is the direct, IT director of a major cable company in Charlotte. He hates driving in Charlotte. He doesn't want to work in Charlotte. He wants to work in Rock Hill. He wants to be here. And he wants to meet other people. And from my perspective, if we get all these, these, these tech folks talking to each other, I see new companies coming out of that really easily. In unpredictable ways. In unpredictable see, that's ways. a beautiful thing, David, and I commend you on that because it's not about dictating what people should do and then recruiting the people who fit those job descriptions and getting them to um, kind of agree to play those roles. That's not the job of the public sector. I think where the public sector can help facilitate something happening is that they simply create opportunities for unpredictable private sector phenomena that to uh, kind of happen. Does that make sense to you? Or public sector, any sector, nonprofit sector, sector, yeah, yeah any right, sector exactly. phenomenon. But yeah. just getting people, like we're going back to this idea, it's all about people at this point. And it, and it means folks that are in technology now, people who are entrepreneur. And then I got to worry about the pipeline. Where are my next companies coming from? Right. And that's going to take us back into the schools and do our community. I have to tell you, there's camps going on at the high ball summer long. I was down at one, I was asked to speak at the entre entrepreneur camp for and middle Edie DeLay middle deserves schoolers. crazy amounts of credit. Oh, absolutely. She, she, she has been a champion of getting that all organized. I went in there with a bunch of 11, 12, and 13 year olds yesterday. And, uh, and I had a little green rubber brain that they gave me at the incubator conference a couple months ago in New Orleans. <laughs> so I was throwing this brain around the room. So they're all starting to pay attention a little bit. And, and uh, I started talking to these kids about um, you know, you take one idea, one good idea, and you take another good idea and you put them together, you have an innovation. Yeah. You've created something new that may take on a life of its own. Yeah. And they were already with me on that. That's awesome. And I said, well, let me tell you about 3D printers. Oh, we all know about 3D printers. You don't need to. That's well, let me funny. tell you about the beta test. Oh, we do beta tests all the time. Uh, These 11-year-olds are, yeah, are talking this cool. language, and they're way, they're way up there with me on the, on the whole st stick. And it's, wow, uh, that's it, so exciting. It's that's encouraging exciting. to see the kids thinking that, yeah, I, I can put ideas together. That. And my big message is you don't have to do it alone. You'll get all the help you need. You know, Folks come to me with their innovation. They may or may not come into the center because they have to be the right person with the right idea, with the right market setting, all things have to be correct.
So, but but if it is, I'm going to throw resources around you, and, and you're going to have dozens and dozens of people, smart people, making you a success. Well, I think you're wise in how you describe that the new connection piece. Um, you put one idea with another idea, you have an innovation. Uh, I, I was had the fortune of participating in a, in a program recently um, with a Ivy League university where they were talking about how uh, they're trying to develop metrics around this kind of stuff and how do you develop metrics when the traditional metrics don't work and one metric they were looking at was they call it um, number of new connections and it's based on when you can document an idea and a different idea coming together and creating a third idea from that concept and that being uh, kind of the core of entrepreneurism or, or that type of you know uh, progress as being one of the things they would find ways to measure. So for you to even be saying that to teenagers and for them, in less than teenagers, and for them to already be understanding that as a concept is such a good... I wasn't good... taught that until college. Right, yeah. And they said, yeah, if you're going to do a research paper, you got to take one idea and another idea and then write your master's oh, thesis. And a third idea. You create a whole something yeah, new right. out of it. Yeah, you know? exactly. yeah that's cool, man. Yeah, Real cool. They were all over that, so I was encouraged. The future's looking good, and yeah. as as we go forward, I'm have to, hold on, let me put on my shades. <laughs> it's a little too bright. Uh oh, uh oh. I'll, I'll come down. <laughs> but uh, back to the people part of this, of course. Uh, and you've heard about us. This, the area, the RHEDC's won this uh, challenge innovation grant from the state of South Carolina now. So we get to fund some things now that, that are going to jumpstart this whole people into the equation. It's all about the people, and it's Fab Lab bringing equipment in so inventors have things to work on: 3D printers and lasers and all kinds of stuff to play with hands-on. We'll have TED st Talk style events going on at the ICE program at Winthrop University. Um, I get a chance to work with folks to help me with my website yeah, <laughs> and my social cool, media yeah. and my marketing and even staff services because I'm, uh, I'm desperate for help every day pretty much. Um, and we get to, we get to kind of jump the people into this into high gear and it's going to make it very visible. That's cool. So let me give some context around that comment. Um, uh, secretary Bobby Hitt, who is the Secretary of Commerce for the state of South Carolina, created a new department called uh, basically the Innovation Department of the state or something like that. Office, yeah, Office innovation. of Innovation. Office of Innovation. And he put um, Amy Love in charge of that office and um, one of the first things that uh, Amy was in charge of doing, uh, aside from figuring out the, how the entire state's going to increase its amount of kind of in innovation in, in an economic development sense, was the distribution of $2.5 million, I believe it was, total? Well, yeah, something like that. Yeah, with a, with a each grant application had a max of $250,000 that it could possibly get. The RHEDC, Rocky Economic Development Corporation, put together um, the uh, Knowledge Park Innovation Initiative and asked for a $250,000 grant, the max they could ask for, and were awarded that grant based on David's program, the incubator, and the persistence of it, the development of it, marketing of it, and all that, plus um, the kind of continuation of what the Hive has become, which has been a wonderful program that's been in Rock Hill, and it was really kind of the uh, beginnings of a lot of this and the poster child of it in the beginning, and, and so it's continuation of and an evolution of it, which is t now it's K-12 camps and anything that has to do with involving people in downtown. The ICE program at Winthrop, which is kind of a homegrown TED Talks, and a fab lab at York Technical College, which is um, using 3D printing technologies and, and allowing people to kind of um, programmatically participate in that, whether it's K-12 or whether it's students at York Tech or Winthrop or even open to the community potentially. So it's a coupling together, a grouping together of these different initiatives that were going on in some, to some extent anyway into what's being called the Knowledge Park um, Innovation Initiative, which is part of growing and developing the Knowledge Park. Um, and that was awarded that grant. And so, you know, David's program um, is a a key, if not the poster child piece of, of that program. Fair well, I had enough. to share the money. Now, in all honesty and frankness, my other incubators uh, got more individual money than I did, but then they don't have they don't have York Tech and Winthrop and all the programming that we get because they're partners with us. Right. Because yeah. they're in communities that don't have those same kind of resources. So I don't mind sharing the money. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> with all these other programs. I mean, that's the point, you know, is to do it all together. And we have this philosophy we talk about all the time called a thousand voices, you know, and I believe wholeheartedly that it is a, a huge mistake to think that there's going to be some 
centralized, successful effort that umbrellas everything and is owned by one party uh, that's going to be the success of everything. Instead, you have all these different initiatives that pop up. Our ultimate goal is to get where people drive this from the ground up where you don't need an incubator because you got so many startups starting all the time that it's driven by a thousand voices versus one voice. So the reason we do these programs is because we don't have that and they are the pathway to building that reality in the future. That's, at least that's my perspective. I would argue that the monorail would serve that function. Monorail? Monorail. Monorail. <laughs> I know that it, the streetcar meetings used to remind me. I was on the steering committee of the streetcar, so I used to hear David present uh, that, this a good bit, and it would it reminded me of the Simpsons episode monorail. Yeah, but while that was a hilarious and failed idea, this is actually genius, man. It's absolutely genius. The more I've learned about it, it's great. Well, I went to Little Rock, Arkansas, to see what the streetcar did in their town. They tied two cities together across the river, North yeah. North Little Rock and Little Rock. And, uh, and Oregon, they took one right through a... Oregon did the first one, Portland yeah. in Portland. Yeah, they took it through an old area where they ran the streetcar where there's no buildings at all. Yeah. Through now an old warehouse district that were all, all been demolished, and now there's like 600,000... $600 million in new development there. Wow. It's all mid-rise condominiums and all kinds of stuff all the way along the streetcar line. I mean, it's like you are saying, I don't think it's like a weakness that it's not about mass transit. I mean, it's about the, the concept and, and how and the feeling and the idea of a streetcar and what that says and that this sort of the, the cultural and how and how much that fits to the concept of like an old, soulful, like you said, downtown. Like it's connecting. It's, it, it makes Winthrop relevant to Comporium and to the park and to downtown. Our companies... RHEDC, the city, all the other players that are here. Um, it, 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 it's, a, it's, it's like a glue stick. It just right. glues everything together. Exactly. It makes everything relevant. Yeah, it's, it's sort of only loosely related to the idea of like of a giant people mover out of Winthrop University. You know, that's not the point at all. It's, it's, it's the idea and the energy and the concept of it. I think David said it best, and I'll use it as a, tra as a transition to thank you for being here, but I, I think that you just said the word. It's connectivity. And I think that word permeates everything we're doing, everything you're doing, every, whether it's the streetcar, whether it's the incubator, whether it's um, you know uh, doing the curb and gutters on White Street and connecting. Like it's all about human connectivity. That is what we're doing. And so I think David, as you've become the director of this, first of all, I'm glad you're in Rock Hill, and. Um, as you've become the director of this technology incubator, you are one of the people who are on the forefront of creating connectivity uh, for kind of high-powered individuals that will create change in this environment. So we want to thank you for what you do, and we want to thank you for being here. Too kind. Thank you for having me, Jason. Absolutely. And uh, we'll have you back at some point, of course. And um, Chris, any last words? Uh, no, thank you very much for being on the show. David, anything you want to say on your way out here? Be entrepreneurial out there. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, we'll see you next week on Old Town, New World.